and welcome to the Forbes India cover story podcast series in association with the indicas.com my name is abhishek this issue's cover is on softbank among the world's most important tech investing group what's its india strategy what has it got right so far and where does it go from here joining me on the call to talk about her cover which is co-authored with rajiv singh is pooja sarkar hi pooja thanks for joining hi abhishek thank you so much for having me before we dive into the cover story uh, pooja could you just give a little brief on uh, softbank's india investments softbank started investing in india exactly like a decade back in 2011 when they did their first transaction in india it was in inmobi inmobi was then this indian startup which everybody was looking at because it it used to do this mobile uh, advertising at that point in time and if mm. you remember 10 years back mobile app advertising wasn't that very common and they not only just did that in india they took it to other parts of the world and now it's mostly in us china everywhere so inmobi was one of their first and big bets that they did in india and since then as we all know softbank vision fund has come into place of ambition fund 1 which is nearly like a 100 billion dollars fund is the largest tech fund in the world that has ever been raised and which was raised in 2017 over the decade what has happened is that softbank used to invest in india is not that they weren't investing in india they actually deployed a lot of capital but what was happening was people or the partners would come in from you know the offices in london us etc jettison in come here do a transaction go back uh, but what has happened since softbank vision fund was launched is that they saw the opportunity that the kind of deals that they can do in india and the kind of return that india will offer them and as we all know that a lot of the larger funds have now identified india as the one of the last frontiers from where maximum returns are going to be reaped out so that's when Uh, softbank decided to you know create a new team which is just based out of india what are some of its uh, bets in india what are some of the big names uh, uh, that may still take time to reap dividends but uh, they're already unicorns a lot of them in fact uh, softbank is traditionally is a late stage investing firm i really like to call them as the pe of the vc basically they cut out large checks they have always cut out large checks for example if you remember they had done the transaction with ola they had invested in grofers in fact long back in 2017 although the steal happened from the us team they had invested in flipkart and they had uh, when walmart came in and acquired flipkart they exited in that round and made some 2 billion dollars at that point in time they took home significant returns in that transaction and some of the other transactions they have done is paytm which is now up for its own listing some of its other investments are policy bazaar first cry delivery lenskart unacademy swiggy you name them and all the bigger players of their ecosystem are part of their portfolio and how has uh, the pandemic impacted its investments in india overall the firm announced a sale of some 41 billion dollars worth of assets in, in softbank's global operations and some of the names that you took whether it's delivery or swiggy or paytm in light of the recent digital adoption given that folks are working from home for better or worse how has the pandemic impacted uh, softbank's investments in india a lot of the firms the tech enabled firms in the when the pandemic started in 2020 a lot of these tech enabled firms really found it difficult how will they cope up with the situation if you remember clearly we got into the lockdown around march 26th right that's when it was announced but by march what china had already seen was the first wave because it started in december end for them 
So by March, when we were entering the lockdown and we were entering in the space where we did not, we did not know what is happening, China was actually trying to come out of their first phase. Let's say even if it is theoretically. So what SoftBank, what they did with its portfolio companies, and this is a rare story that I have heard, is that what they did was they realized that they have similar companies in their portfolio in China. So for example, in India, they have Policy Bazaar, right? So they have similar something in China called Zongan Insurance, which is one of the largest uh, Chinese online insurance platform. So what they try did was they tried to get all these partners there in China to do a knowledge sharing session with the, uh, with the founders in India so that they can learn what will be coming. For example, if you remember, a lot of people started getting admitted or you know claims started increasing. So there is this significant rise in insurance claims that have come because of Corona, because nobody really included Corona virus. Nobody had that in their uh, premium, but because you were unwell, you had to pay up. Also, for example, now, if you and me, we all are paying a little more to renew our insurances this year, right? A lot of companies, a lot of insurance firms have said, you know, they don't want to do a lot of corporate insurances. A lot of things have been happening in the insurance space, which have changed dramatically from before. So some of these patterns were seen in China because they were going through the wave a little before us. And so a lot of these lessons that they could learn from each other, the entire India is now trying to be digitally adaptive. Because you know that we don't know when this pandemic is ever going to end. So technological adoption in India has happened at a, at a pace which is far faster than other economies. And yes, and I think India offers the scale that very few countries would in terms of both geography and the number of people or consumers that it can serve. SoftBank itself globally during the pandemic, during Jan to March, it had deployed or invested some $200 million a week. At the same time, while some of these bets, only time will tell how they will play out, what are some of the setbacks that SoftBank faced in India and uh, how did it have an impact on investments? Uh, some of the transactions that did not that hasn't really worked for them include something called a snap deal. Recently, we have seen this year that you know Hike was taken down from all the app stores. In one transaction, which was really big and which got into the limelight for wrong reasons, has been oil. But OYO is something that they are really working hard with the promoter to turn around the company because uh, OYO was one of the early bets of uh, SoftBank. When SoftBank invested in OYO, OYO was just available only in three cities in India. OYO was branching out in India. It had a lot of these uh, smaller hotel chains coming up. The brand communication somewhere was in the fact that, you know, some people thought, oh, they are like a five-star. It's not a five-star. It's a mom-and-pop store uh, kind of, um, you know, hotel chains, smaller chains that are being digitized and that have been converting in, that have been converted into a standardized place over the last one and a half years. Ritesh and his team actually uh, get onto a call every week with all the hotel owners. They have these uh, town halls. They discuss things and they've told them, if you have a problem, you tell us directly. What they've also allowed is earlier, if you and I had a hotel and if we were at an OYO property, we could not price it. Only OYO could price it. But now hotel owners can price their property. And, you know, reconciliation that happens, you know, you pay an X amount to OYO's charges, etc. All that is also happening at a quicker pace. Uh, they have raised a $660 million debt round, which is a significant amount for a startup to raise from India when it comes to the debt market. And they also claim that uh, they have been a little late on some of investments, some of the investments like uh, software as a service or SaaS uh, 
uh, and they've invested some amount in Mindtickle. How do they, where do they rank India in their global ambitions? And uh, what does the you know near future look like for them? India is a large economy, and we have seen that the consumption grow in India. Although there has been a massive impact of pandemic, but what we've also seen that you know India is growing in a weird kind of K-shaped recovery, where there is consumption happening at a significant pace at one level, but there is also consumption slowing down at the lower middle class, middle class. You've seen consumption tapering down in that segment, but there is no taking away from the fact that people have adopted to technology to order whatever they want. So for SoftBank, India is an important market. It has to be one. And that is one of the reasons that is something that I would like to discuss is the fact that how in 2017, after Manish Verma uh, joined the fund and he was given the responsibility for India, he decided to launch his entire India office. And then Sameer Janeja was hired as the head of investing in India. One of the things that was set in their mind, which was very clear, is that they did not want to bring somebody from Bay Area or somebody from London and sit out of Bombay and say, oh, let's do deals now, let's learn India. They did not want that practice anymore. They wanted people who are already ingrained in the system, who know transactions, who know the founders, who had built relationships, and that's why they can go and do the deals quickly. Because what happens is that as a late stage fund, you enter a transaction later. Unlike a PE fund where what you do is you just go and acquire majority control and you're out and you take the asset and you go home. As a late stage investor in a VC system, you just can't go acquire a company and take it home. There are multiple investors because as a startup, you've raised money from your angels, then you raise money from early seed, then you raise money from growth, then you come to a late stage. So by the time somebody enters a late stage transaction, the valuations are higher. The kind of returns that you're expecting would be a little lesser than what the early guy would look in the same transaction. And what is very clear is that they are now trying to, you know, ride through the whole ecosystem. For example, they want to build better relationships with early venture funds so that they can get into a deal early. Or, you know, there is some space because if you're an early stage and you see that, oh, this deal is good, you would want to back your own company, right? Why would you want somebody else to come in and put money? You would again want to bet on it. So they want to basically build better relationships with VC funds. They want to cut out smaller checks also. And they want to, you know, put this as a note that, hey, we are also open to business even for SaaS deals. And we are here to do deals for a longer period. It has been an eventful ride so far. And I'm sure we'll read more about it uh, from you in due course, Pooja. Thank you very much uh, for your time on this podcast. In the interest of time, it's time to wrap up. Thank you so much. Thanks, Abhishek. Thank you. And all you listeners, you know where to find this podcast on Forbes India, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the podcasting applications you use to uh, consume your content. And to have someone call you for a Forbes India subscription, message Forbes to 51818. And also look for other podcasts from uh, Forbes India. There's one called Teenpreneur, an interview series with young entrepreneurs. And we also have from the bookshelf of Forbes India, conversations about business, economics, and books. Music.